Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a little prankster makes sleep anything but possible during a sleepover. The inexplicable pounding coming from the attic leaves many questions where there is no possible source for the noise. A babysitter returns after her tragic death to explain to a child that she is all right. And in a medieval castle, voices still can be heard begging for death from the torture chamber. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. You ready for some more ghost stories? I'm always ready for that. Uh, we got some good ones uh, here today. I was uh, listening to our EPP bonus episode myself. I, I rarely like listen back to the show, uh-huh. but I was listening earlier today just because I wanted to hear that one story again. It's different when you are just listening versus reading aloud. To kind of just, yeah, let it soak in a little bit more. And that was one of the best stories that we've ever had on Mm -hmm. on this show. You want to give a quick little synopsis on this thing? Well, uh, a writer named Sherry wrote in and told us a story that happened 50 years ago Mm -hmm. outside of Detroit where a family moved in on their street and... Back then, it was kind of uncommon to be as reclusive as people sometimes are now. Yeah. That most time they, you know, you knew your neighbors by their first name, and the kids all played together on the block. And anyway, this family moved in, and nobody really saw them hardly mm-hmm. at all. And then they stopped seeing them at all. Like they just disappeared. Yeah, it, it, it was an amazing story, and, and yeah. she set the scene so well, just with the details of the era and the time, and it brought back like it was like it was like Back to the Future. You know, when you watch Back to the Future, you're like, oh, that's I remember this or that, or if you're in 2015, you now you're like, we didn't have that, <laughs> we don't have that now. But it really, it just totally set it up so well. It just, a really good story. I don't want to give away the ending or anything no, like that. No, no. But she, the writer, she does such a good job. You don't have to do any mental work of trying to figure this yeah. out as far as... It, it's so it's so well drawn out for you the way she write, yeah. wrote it. It's, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> it's an EPP bonus episode number 19. If you want to hear it, you'll get it instantly the second you sign up to be an EPP on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Do yourself a favor and check it out. It is a great, great story. And of course, when you become an EPP, you get a new bonus episode every single week and access to all uh, 19 of our uh, bonus episode archives. So, so nice little uh, thank you there for keeping our show on the air. Uh, let's kick off the show today with a letter from Claudia. 
And uh, Claudia writes into us when I was in high school. My best friend and I had a sleepover at her house. Her house was a very old, small house. My friend had a twin bed that had another bed that would roll out from underneath, so it was low under the ground. She had two brothers, one older and one younger. One night, I was sleeping over at her house and suddenly woke up to what felt like a hard kick to the bed I was sleeping on. I assumed it was her older brother messing with me, as he often did. I looked up quickly and no one was there. My next thought was that maybe it was my friend that had accidentally kicked it. And when I looked over at her, she was completely asleep at the other edge of the bed. So it obviously wasn't her. I didn't think much of it, figured it was probably my imagination, and went back to sleep. The next morning, I was waiting for my mom to come pick me up since we were too young to drive. I was sitting on a chair in my friend's bedroom. She was sitting across from me on her bed. She was starting to tell me about a dream she had about a boy. When I saw what looked like her younger brother, a small boy that looked about seven or eight with very light blonde hair, I saw him looking at me as if peeking from the behind the kitchen door. When he saw that I saw him, he quickly hid behind the door. I ignored whatever my friend was telling me and monitor or mentioned it, uh, monitored to her the motioned her to be quiet as I was slowly sneaking into the kitchen quietly to scare her little brother. I went into the kitchen and yelled, Boo. No one was there. There wasn't another door that led into the kitchen, and I could see the only door the entire time since I saw him staring at me. I was very confused because there was no way he could go out of the kitchen without me seeing him. I turned around, and I saw her younger brother coming in the house from the street. I asked if he was just in the kitchen, and he said he was down the street at his friend's house. I felt goosebumps all over my body. My friend asked what happened. As I started to tell her, she quickly interrupted and asked me if I saw a boy that looked a lot like her brother. And I said yes. She then began to tell me again what she was trying to tell me when I interrupted her and went into the kitchen. She said that since they started working on the roof of her house, they opened a small door that led to the attic, which was in her bedroom above the dresser. She said one morning she woke up and there was dust on top of the dresser that had fallen when they opened the attic door. She said it looked like a small child's footprints in the dust, and ever since then she kept dreaming of a boy that looked like her brother. From then on, at least for a long time after, we had all the sleepovers at my house. I have a few more stories about seeing small children that weren't there. I'll tell you about those another time. I love your show. Thank you for listening. It's hard to rationalize away a child-sized footprint in the dust on top of a dresser like that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of... Maybe they put a shoe? No, huh? it sounds like it was just the little foot. Just maybe like they, uh, maybe they Maybe they had like an old relic from um, some, you know, literally a child's foot that they were just, you know... Or <laughs> the work up in the attic disturbed whatever spirit was up there. Yeah, that's probably more likely. He's climbing down to say, hey, I'm here. Messing with my spot. Yeah, that's that's probably most likely what was going on there. I, I just got in my mind the image of that creepy Amityville boy 
peeking around the railing. Uh-huh. You know, when I was reading that story, because that's what I always go to. It seems to be that house. But, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think I'd be going back to that house if I was a child and that had just happened to me. And you didn't have to. Yeah, I mean, not even, I mean, I get, I get not having sleepovers there. I probably wouldn't go over ever at all for any, <laughs> any reason whatsoever. Like, nope. Uh, no, we can stand on the porch. You know, I just, I wouldn't be, no. But what if he's like Sarah? What if he's just a little yeah, kid? you know, you he know? may be. But the thing is, when you're a little kid and you see a ghost, you know, there's not a whole lot of rationalizing there. A ghost is a ghost. There didn't seem to be too many real recognizable good ghosts to anyone as a child. Even if they are, it's just, the concept is just too overwhelming. Yeah. Unless you don't know it's a ghost. Unless you don't know it's a ghost, that's right. Yeah, that's that's the thing. But if you know full well what you're seeing is a ghost, there's no, oh, maybe it's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think so. Let's go to a call at 855-853-4802. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Um, I've called in before. Um, when I was a younger child, I was a child actress, and I was in a lot of plays and productions um, around childhood professional theater when they needed child actors. And uh, perhaps Tony, you're familiar with the Pabst Theater in Milwaukee. It's this really, really beautiful old theater in Milwaukee. Um, and they have a Christmas carol um, every year. And I was in it for a number of years playing different child characters. And um, I remember the first year I was in it, I started asking some of the um, actors that that were in the different scenes with me that kind of also acted as caretakers for, for the kids at the show, um, why I wasn't being introduced to all of the actors. And through, you know, talking with them and looking around and describing um, it came to be believed that I was seeing ghosts of past actors um, and uh, went through with one of the uh, stage managers who was an elderly man who had been working there for about 50 years and he took me back through um, some of the old books that had pictures of some of the past productions um, and there definitely were some familiar faces from some of the actors who were known to be um, in previous productions of A Christmas Carol, um, which was, was really, really neat. Um, and that was when I was a little bit younger. When I was older, um, I was cast again, of course, like in, a, in a different part. And I was quite sad because one of the actors that I had worked with in one of the previous years, um, who played the character of, of Old Joe, um, who was very much a mentor to me, a kind and wonderful actor, um, passed away from AIDS um, in between one year that I was in the production and another year. Um, and on opening night, I just, I felt his presence very, very strongly. Um, a number of the other actors did as well. And uh, although not all of us shared the same religion, we said some prayers beforehand and kind of thanking him for his guidance and telling him that we felt his presence there with us. Um, and as I was in the wings about to to go on for my first scene, I um, 
I saw him across the, the stage on the other end of the stage on the other um, wing side giving me a thumbs up, which was um, what he always did when, he, when our scene went well when we were working together the previous year. Um, so that's my little Christmas Carol story. And yes, I do believe a lot of theaters are haunted because it is truly a labor of love and uh, I think a place that spirits like to come back to visit. Um, so happy holidays, guys. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story with us. I think it would be comforting to know that they're they're still supporting you. Yeah, that's kind of cool getting thumbs up from a ghost on the other side of the stage. <laughs> yeah. I've never been in the Pabst Theater. Um, I've given away many tickets to events at the Pabst Theater, but I've never actually been there myself. Uh-huh. Um, but I know it is one of the more historic, older theaters in the Milwaukee area. It probably would be great to, to do some, some ghost hunting at. Um, I know the old Pabst Brewery, uh, which has now been turned into uh, like restaurants and apartments and such. Uh, I've seen that. That's a creepy old building, but really neat, too. I can only imagine the ghost stories that are surrounding that place, too. Oh, yeah. There's a lot that was involved uh, around the Paps name in Milwaukee, so there's a lot of things with that that are still attached in the area. That's so. neat. It's a neat place. Uh, Alex writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Alex. I'm 16 years old, and I'm from San Diego. Love your show. Started listening for the past few days, and my mother got me hooked. Pretty soon, I want to become an EPB, an EPP, just for the extra uh, podcast. Just to tell you my background, I am open-minded to the paranormal, but I often dismiss things such as logic or debunk them. My story starts back when I was in elementary school in first grade. I used to toss and turn in bed from bad dreams, but I had a night terror so severe that I actually vomited. I remember the dream clearly. There was a dingy hallway with something abstract or disfigured at the end of it. Every time I try bringing this story up to my mom, she denies me ever being sick. But I remember distinctively what happened that day. After a while, the night terrors just stopped abruptly. I wouldn't call them dream paranormal, but it was something horrifying that I'll remember for the rest of my life. One incident in fifth grade happened, which just talking about it frightens me and makes me cringe. I believe it's connected to the figure in my dream. I was at Balboa Park, and it was a sunny day. It was really crowded because it was Friday. I was with my grandparents and my brother that day. In, in the distance, I could make out a figure, and I waved to it, and it waved back. I didn't think too much of it, but out of the corner of my eye, I can see the figure mimicking me. So just to test out if it was some kid messing with me, I started waving my arms, walking back and forth, and the figure followed my actions. Then all of a sudden, the figure started violently flailing. It started scaring me. Then the most terrifying thing happened. From a distance, about a hundred feet or so, I can distinctively see a face. A white face, pale as snow, and it had no eyes, a wide mouth, and no ears. I always suppress that memory. I don't want to remember it. I always told myself not to think of it, but from then on, out of the corner of my eye, I would catch that same figure. I don't know what to make of this, and I want to believe that it's real. My mom tells me her encounters with shadow people, and I'm praying to God that this isn't the case. My brother and I share a room. Our beds are only about ten feet away from each other. My bed is close to the wall, away from the closet and window. One night, my brother left, and I was sleeping alone. 
and on his side of the room. I kid you not, a figure with legs crossed was sitting on his bed looking at me. The figure could be made out, could not be made out, or could be made out through the darkness. I just didn't want to even look at the direction, and I closed my eyes till I fell asleep. Growing up, strange things happen around me, but I dismiss it, honestly. I want to know what you guys think. I know that if I keep feeding into this thing, it'll only get worse. I'm going to keep ignoring whatever's going on. I just want answers. I know the method of just authoritatively saying, go away, can work. Pretty soon I'm going to go to temple to do a blessing with my family. I hope this helps put me at ease. Your show is amazing. Your two are amazing. The stories are great. Please keep doing what you're doing. And if you have any feedback, please share it with me. You know, I kind of wonder if this isn't going to be something that you quote unquote outgrow. And the reason I say that is because you are one of our younger listeners. And, you know, for whatever reason, the teenage years seem to be a magnet. And even some of the years younger magnet Mm -hmm. for some of the paranormal stuff that can go on. I wonder if it isn't going to die down on its own. Now, it may not. You may be one of those people that has the gift of being able to see things and experience things throughout your whole life. But I, I'm just curious if you are still able to see entities like you did at the park or if that was just when you were younger. Sure. Because it may be already kind of fading away. Yeah, and you're not saying he's gonna. Uh, you may outgrow it because you're making it up or anything like that. It's it's that. It, it's kind of what we talk about early. You know, when you're really young, mm-hmm. like we often hear that small children are able to see ghosts, and in some cases, it goes all the way to the teen years. Right. And then, for whatever reason, fades off, um, and then sometimes comes back near death years. Uh, it's like front and end mm-hmm. um, of the life cycle that people tend to see it. I wonder that too. Um, although, honestly, I kind of just have a gut feeling with this one that this is the person's just one of those people that can see these things. That he's just gifted like it's that. It's just there. Yeah. Okay. And it may be something that you have to learn to deal with, essentially. Um, I We've heard stories from folks who have had this issue, if you will. Um, or gift, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they ended up feeling like it was much more of a curse than a gift. And they did find ways of essentially turning it off, but it took some work. It didn't just essentially fade away. Right. You can learn yeah. to basically tune it up or tune it down. Yeah. But it takes some, some yeah. figuring that out. That may be what needs to happen if it doesn't ne- necessarily naturally fade out uh, on its own. I would not want to have that gift. I would be way too creeped out all the time (laughs) yeah i mean normal people creep me out enough i mean i don't need to see the dead (laughs) as well anonymous writes in hey guys thanks so much for all that you do for us paranormally affected i'm a recent uh, transplant to los angeles and with no luck in finding a decently priced apartment i moved into my friend's house now this is an old 1930s craftsman smack dab in south central We call our little cottage in the hood. We call it our little cottage in the hood. My friend's mother, who is the owner, sectioned off the house three ways, so each of the three bedrooms are now like a mini-studio apartment, complete with a bathroom, kitchen, etc., so you can't get into another bedroom without going outside and knocking on the housemate's door. My corner of the house has the only door to the attic. It's located on the ceiling with a little uh, drawstring that can be pulled down to open. 
I was always a little creeped out by it, but I just brushed that feeling aside. I should tell you recently that I've also had a spiritual awakening. I feel much closer to God, and based on what Jenny has said in past episodes, I think I, think I may be an empath. Well, anyways, about three weeks ago, California had a huge rainstorm. We went to sleep at exactly 3.25 a.m. I woke up to heavy pounding coming from the attic door. I'm a really heavy sleeper, and I've even slept through a few earthquakes. At first, I listened intently, trying to figure out what it could be. Sometimes my housemate is doing the dirty with his girlfriend or working on some metal since he's a car mechanic, but this noise was so loud... It was shaking the ceiling. It sounded like wood and water simultaneously exploding. Also, the wind and rain was howling right outside my window. I was terrified and immediately started praying to Jesus and asking Archangel Michael to stop whatever was making the noise. Suddenly, the pounding stopped. The raging storm quieted. All was peaceful. Then in my mind, I projected a white light to encompass my room, then the house, and that no lower entities can remain in this light. All was quiet and peaceful, and I could finally go back to sleep. The next day, my housemate, her boyfriend, and I went up there to investigate. She hadn't heard anything in the night. I expected to find the roof caved in or something, but there was no sign of water damage. Although thoroughly, or after thoroughly investigating every nook and cranny of the attic, we went out to the porch for a smoke. I told them how I suspected it was something paranormal. Her boyfriend then proceeded to tell us a story about the time he was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. He'd been going through a very dark period in his life, and he'd been tormented by a negative entity, going so far as leaving a burned, long claw mark on the left side of his chest, which mysteriously healed within a day. The night terrors and the feeling of being watched got to be too much for him. He burned sage, denounced its existence, and it supposedly went away. Well, after the story, I was terrified to go back to my side of the house. My housemate was nice to walk with me to my door. I entered and crossed the door when I heard her yelling my name. She told me to come outside and pointed to something on the floor. In the wet darkness, it looked to be a white feather right in the middle of my gateway. I bent down to pick it up, and it was a beautiful golden leaf in the exact form of a feather. It was exquisite. I had never seen a leaf like it. I took it as a sign that my angels were with me, and to not be afraid. After reading the demonologist by the Warrens, I theorized these dark entities noticed my growth in faith and spirituality and were trying to scare me. I blessed the house with holy water and continue to do so every once in a while. And for the people who are scared of these things, in a battle of good versus evil, the good always does more damage. And have full faith in that. Thanks for listening to my long story. I'll keep you updated if you like. Love you guys. Okay, so I want to know how long he stayed at the cottage in the hood (laughs) after hearing that noise, just because that... I don't know. If you go up there and you don't see a cause for mm-hmm. it, there's not much left to go off of. You just have to go with the the thought that there's something going on up there that you can't explain. Yeah, I mean, when you're in the hood, there's a lot of noises you could be hearing. Um, you know, I, I think my first thought would be burglary. Mm-hmm. But if it then just stops and nobody comes down, and how did they get up there? Sure. You know, or someone breaking in and, you know, squatting up there. Um, 
but if it goes away pretty quick and you never invent or you, you never if the investigation shows nothing yeah you know, i think you, leave, you end up kind of sitting there going yeah something dark happened yeah i don't know um yeah that's uh, it's a there's a lot of creepy visuals in that story um there was something that he had mentioned in there oh the book the demonologist by the warrens yeah great book you read it yes well audio booked it it counts it counts uh if you like a good paranormal read that's a good one to get Okay. So I highly do uh, recommend checking that one out. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook, Twitter, or this magical thing that people used to do. It's called face-to-face communication. <laughs> yeah. It's where you actually look at the person you're, you're spending some of your day with, and you speak out loud and express your enjoyment for the show. And sometimes that can be quite powerful. <laughs> You know, I wonder how many people are going to end up having neck issues from looking down at their phone screen all the time. That's starting to become a thing. It is. It actually is. That um, and uh, carpal tunnel with thumbs Uh and things of that nature. Um, So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of that shit. What (laughs) what I'm really most scared of more than anything is, is the... 30, 40, or even less years from now where people are getting all the brain tumors and cancer and all this from the phones that we're holding by our bodies and our heads and orifices and everything, you know, every single day. And and we're told, oh, no, it's so slight. No, it's not going to end. No, 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 no. Now, I'm not one to jump on the bandwagon, and I don't do anything to prevent anything either. I have it in my pocket all day long. It's by my head. I don't have a Bluetooth. Um, so I'm not one that's pounding that drum. Yeah. But I'm just saying I'm not going to be shocked if that happens. Yeah. You know, it's like when you look back at the old cigarette commercials from the, you know, 50s and 60s. Like, doctors recommend this one. Or give soda to your toddler. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just the naivety uh, of the previous generations. Mm-hmm. Um of what is horrible for you, but uh, pounding it for the almighty dollar. Yeah. You know, it'll happen. <laughs> I, I hope that one doesn't happen because we're all fucked. <laughs> but yeah, but it's, I don't know. I don't know. Hallie writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. Hope you had a great Christmas. I would like to share a very creepy, but at the same time, a very uh, melancholy Kali story uh, with you today. I recently been to a psychic reader this December, and to my surprise, found out something really strange. The psychic reader asked me if anyone in my family died in a car accident, and I couldn't think of anyone. However, I forced my memory and remembered that my father had a cousin who passed away in 1936. He lived in Cyprus and recently became a lawyer. He was uh, very important within his village and was well-respected. On December 4th, 1936, it was pouring down rain, and he begged his friend to take him to a city called uh, Lamosli, or Lamisol. I'm not good at this. Uh, he had a trial that he needed to attend and wanted to uh, get there the night before. He said to his friend in Turkish, come on, get up. We're going to dance with the fairies tonight. His friend replied, tonight is not the night. We're not going there. We're going to heaven. It was 545 and they started their journey. There was flooding around the area and certain bridges were weak to drive on. They stopped somewhere to rest and have something to eat. After their rest, they continued on with their journey and all pa- then passed a village 
called Pasuri. They arrived at a bridge. The bridge was so close to being collapsed as the water was flowing with rapid speed, which weakened the piers. Upon a loud breaking sound, the bridge collapsed and the car fell into the river. They tried to grab onto something, but unfortunately they did not survive. Later on, the police arrived at the scene and found my father's cousin's friend's body near the riverbed. However, they could not find my father's cousin. The psychic reader continued telling me that my father's cousin is helping me from the spirit side and that I should go home and light a white candle for the spirit. I believe all the activities which I and my family members have experienced could have been my father's cousin. I don't fear anything and my sleeps are more comfortable. Thank you, guys. So, do you think the departed family members follow you around all the time like that? I don't. I think in some cases you can certainly have a departed family member. It's interesting that it's one that's kind of separated over a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, that's different country. Here's what I'm wondering about the story, and I'm not trying to debunk it by any means. I just I'm, here we I'm, go. No, I'm asking logistics here. How did we? How do they know the story of what the father's cousin said to the friend you know what what that conversation was in the morning of we're going to go dance with the fairies we're going to go to heaven uh and how does he know the logistics of how the events went when they died now maybe i'm missing this part of the story but it did the psychic reiterate the story to our writer no okay no the psychic just simply asked if there was somebody in their family and Hallie's family that had died in a car accident. Okay. And at first she said no, but then she started to think about it because this was her father's cousin. Okay. So kind of a distant. Relative. Here's the thing though, with that question. That's so vague. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not trying to debunk you by any means, but I'm going to ask every listener that we have right now, who in your family has died in a car accident and dig as deep as you'd like. Yeah. You will find someone who has died in a car accident. I can almost guarantee it in probably 98% of the people listening to the show. Yeah. Um, you know, if you dig deep enough, some more immediate, some further. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a good story. I just, I think it was kind of grasping at straws to make a connection on Hallie's end, but just yeah. kind of, I'm getting the yeah. somebody coming through with the name that starts with a T, yeah. you know? I'm, I'm not against psychics. No. I'm just against bullshit psychics. Yeah. You know, because I feel like sometimes they just take advantage of people when they're being so vague. I mean, if the psychic had said, okay, um... I'm getting the vision of a cousin, your father's cousin. Did he die in a car accident? Okay, psychic's going somewhere. Not a uh, car accident? Anyone? Mm, Bueller? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that just seems to be a little too vague for me. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I would love to know how they know the story. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I, there's got to be something behind that. I mean, unless some family member just made up, but well, <laughs> all this, the whole know, scale of it. As far as who said what, that I'm assuming happened at the person who was driving at their home. So, you know, there could have been a family member that overheard that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes and sense. And thought that was ironic, yeah. you know? And then you have to assume that they 
cross the bridge thinking that they were going to make it to the other side when sure. obviously they didn't. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Interesting story. Yeah. Go to another psychic <laughs> and see what they say. Seriously. I mean, I would try that. Just, you know, why not? Go to another psychic and don't tell them the story and tell them you have, you know, some activity going on in your life and you're trying to figure out who it is and see if they can narrow it down even better without having the prompting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, process of elimination and you may find it somebody else even. Yeah. You know, I'm, again, I'm not trying to debunk. I'm just trying to figure this out. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Amy writes in, first of all, I love the show and I have been hooked since listening to you. I was about 10 years old and living in with my family in uh, Statesville, North Carolina. Since I was so young, I still had a babysitter when my parents would go out on weekends. My babysitter was pretty typical, 17-year-old high school student. Got along with her pretty well, but I can't say I was especially close to her. That's one reason that uh, what happened to me was so shocking. One day, I came home from school, and my dad told me that she had been in a very bad car accident and had died. Like I said, we weren't very close, but for some reason, I was completely devastated. My family went to the wake and over to her family's house after. I had a really tough time dealing with her death and had cried myself to exhaustion by the end of the evening. I went straight to bed, woke up in the middle of the night, and I had the covers over my head, but could see a distinct figure sitting on the foot of my bed. I was terrified, but I made myself peek out of the blankets a little and clearly saw my dead babysitter. I was quietly hysterical under the covers, and she started talking to me. I don't remember everything she said, but I do remember her saying that she was okay and not to worry about her while she was smoothing out the blanket. I was crying and begged her to go away, also begging God at the same time to not let me uh, see her anymore or anyone else. She finally did leave, but I have never forgotten her. I also have not ever seen another ghost, and I am grateful. You know, I wonder if the babysitter didn't come back just because she could see from the other side how you were taking it much harder than you thought you would or, Mm -hmm. you know, because you weren't so close and she probably wanted to try and help you through that. And showing up doesn't necessarily do that. But when you're dead. Yeah. Newly dead. It's about all you can do and you don't really know. Yeah. And you're probably you're still thinking more so on the lines of human And what would you do to comfort a child? Show up. Talk to them. Comfort them Mm -hmm. in a comfortable place. Um, I suppose that's something with experience of being dead after a little while. You realize, oh, my presence isn't always so comforting. Yeah. Even with the good intent. So it's going to be difficult for someone who really is like a giving, kind, gentle person that that's what they do. Oh, yeah. Inherently. And then they're dead and they're a ghost and they can't be that person they can try but they're freaking everybody out when they're really just trying to be good right they can't just rush in and and do what they do they have to if they're lucky have a slow warm-up process to where the person feels comfortable talking to a ghost yeah exactly exactly thank you for the uh, the letter 855-853-4802 that's our toll-free number you can call 24 hours a day seven days a week joey writes into us hi tony and jenny i'm from i'm from uh, berkshire in england my story is from about two years ago there's a cemetery in a small town in our area said to be haunted by a few different entities from small children to animals 
my friends and I were being the clever shits we thought we were, we decided to take up a, a bet camp out there, attempting to entice the spirits who are said to dwell there. On that day, I felt uneasy from the moment I woke up and wanted to find an excuse not to, but I didn't want my friends to make fun of me. Being in February, it was getting dark quite early, and the sunset was around 6 p.m. We got there at around 8. The four of us set up camp in an open area in the churchyard, not the actual graveyard, so not to disturb any grave. Two or three hours passed, and it got to be around 11 p.m., and we were telling ghost stories in our tent. One of my friends had a torch to keep it lit in our tent. We took turns passing the torch around and telling ghost stories. And I I should uh, just share in case you're not aware of the essential translation, torch does mean flashlight. I know you're aware. Okay. But sometimes, you know, the first couple times I had seen that and text like what torches really <laughs> it's a flashlight it's a mag light or something uh on, one of my friends was telling his and it was one of the stories to do with the church graveyard we were in it was a hooded figure said to roam the grounds that had been spotted by many people no one seems to know anything really about him only that a man was said to have jumped from the top of the church in the 1800s for an unknown reason Anyway, as he was telling his story, my friend had the torch shined against the tent, and to our horror, the shadow of a hooded figure appeared clearly in the light of the torch. It was there for a good five seconds. We were in shock, and when it disappeared, we were intrigued. We opened the tent, but it was pitch black, so we shone the torch around the churchyard and up at the church, but nothing, until I heard something I'll never forget. A man's voice whispered into my left ear. I knew his secret, so he pushed me. With that, I ran as fast as I could out of the churchyard, and my friends followed. I told them what had happened, and they were in shock. We all knew what we saw, and I'll never forget what I heard. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Well, I think that solves why somebody was jumping out at the top of the church in the 1800s because they were pushed. I want to know the secret. Yeah, I do too. What was the infamous secret? That's a perfect urban legend too. You know, but it's funny because a lot of the shit in urban legends like originates somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if indeed this was the, the church where this happened, my guess is that like churches for like a 40 mile radius all have the same story of it you know surrounding it because like did you hear the story about this or that where it happened at one of them but it just kind of spreads and then it, be, then it becomes well my church had that yeah but there's always that little sliver of truth that makes it you know have yeah that there's the root of the urban legend exactly that's what i'm wondering if this is the root Huh. Like, because they saw the entity there. Is this literally the root place of the urban legend? And I'm saying all the other places around where that's, you know, I'm sure probably told are actually all based back to this one. Like, maybe we found the root of this one. Could be. Interesting. Jay writes in, hey, kitties, I'm a new, new listener, but uh, love what you're doing. I, like most people who have experienced activities that science can't explain, have a passion for the paranormal. I even ran my own group for six years. Ottawa County Paranormal. It began when I was very young. My mother, stepfather, and I lived in a home in North Muskegon, Michigan that seemed to be very attractive or active. 
The things that I experienced in this home sparked my interest, but there were so many amazing happenings that it would take an entire show to cover them. Not a hint at all, lol. The story that I really want to share occurred four years later. I hope it qualifies as a ghost story. We had moved from the home and all paranormal activity had stopped. I was now 10. In these four years, my mom had fallen into a bit of a wild phase, leaving me to stay with my grandparents around 95% of the time. My grandpa and I were... Over those years, I had no need to make friends. He was it. He was the only friend I needed. We did everything together. This was around the same time that I was starting being shipped to stay with my father every other weekend. This was quite the shock to my little world. After all, I didn't know this man at all, really. One of these weekends, unknown to me, my grandfather had scheduled a routine surgical procedure. He was in his 70s. At my father's, I was quite a night owl, staying up till all hours in the morning with my stepbrother. On this particular night, though, I felt exhausted, drained, and really, uh, he ended up crashing before midnight even hit. That's when the dream started. My grandfather screaming, thrashing, calling out to me. I jumped from my bed, tears streaming from my eyes. I cried out for my grandpa with every ounce of energy I could muster. I ran to my father's bedroom and insisted he call my grandfather so I could make sure he was okay. He was furious and blamed it on being homesick, being I was still fairly new to weekends at this man's house. I cried out for what seemed like hours, but I'm sure it was only 20 minutes or so. I knew something was wrong. My gut was twisted and my head was ready to burst. I don't think I ever had cried so hard. My father forced me back to bed against my will all the way. I finally cried myself to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, I found my mother sitting in the living room. Now to you, this may seem like nothing, but my parents were never in the same room. Even when she dropped me off, she never left the car. My mother was crying hard. I already knew what she was going to tell me. My grandfather's routine surgery had gone wrong, and he expired later that night. Last night. I remember bursting into tears all over again and scolding my father, slapping him. I told you, he didn't let me see my grandpa. I remember the look on his face. He was heartbroken and curious as can be. I don't remember him asking my mother this question, but years later he told me that he had. He asked her what time my grandfather had passed away. He was shocked to learn that my late night tantrum had happened within just 20 minutes of his death. I harbored resentment unknowingly, I think, towards my father for many, many years. Our relationship remained rocky and I hated the fact that I even had to see him. It wasn't until I was 23, five years after of not speaking to him, that we reconnected. That's when he told me what he had learned that day. He went as far as to tell me he believed I may have had, I may have had psychic abilities. I wish. He told me how jealous he was after the whole ordeal, saying it was that very moment that I knew that he was your father, not me. I should have taken the time he did. I should have been there. This night was crazy. We were friends. We were close. He even told me that he planned on proposing to his girlfriend and asked if I would be his best man. Of course, I said yes. Sadly, he wouldn't make it through the month. He suffered a massive heart attack and passed in his sleep. Still, that experience we shared impacted us and our relationship forever. Jay. You know, it's in kind of a roundabout way. It's almost like the grandfather's passing brought... Jay and his father together more 
even though at first there was resentment for how it was handled, not letting him call in the middle of the night, but it ultimately seemed to have brought them together and made them understand each other more. Yeah, I mean, albeit for just a short month period, but he was able to get the closure there. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, it's, it's a shame that, uh, you know, he passed, you know, so quickly after they reconnected. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, because if you look at the story from the other way of had the grandfather not passed, would he have just been kind of growing up resenting not, you know, or not really liking his dad or getting to know his dad and 18 out never to be seen again. And then later in life going, oh, I should have reconnected with my dad somehow. Right. It's like the grandfather passing was the reason to reconnect. Mm hmm. With his dad. It's very interesting. I mean, and it's interesting how that works and that it's that connection that family members have with one another for whatever reason or how that works. I don't know, but it is clearly there and it doesn't you hear it oftentimes with mothers and children or fathers and children, more often moms and kids. But I guess it can happen with any connection. Do you think it can happen with um, like non blood relatives like really close friends or anything like that yes i do i think you can be so on the same wavelength if you will with somebody you know that's not a blood relative that you just know when there's something wrong it's more of a human connection that Mm -hmm. exists than it is a biological yeah very deep i mean you can you have spouses that have that type of connection that sure. they know when something is wrong and their spouse is, you know, thousands of miles away. Sure. So I think, yeah, I think that can definitely happen. That makes sense. Uh, 855-853-4802, our phone number, as you well know. Adam writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm Adam from Newcastle upon Tyne. Hey, we get a lot of letters from here. Well, I think they know each other. Am I saying Tyne? Is that correct? Uh-huh. Okay. You've recently had a couple of stories from people from this area, one of which is my friend who introduced me to your show. Oh, they're doing the verbal communication. That antiquated way of getting the word out. That, hey, I listen to the show. You should, too. (laughs) (laughs) One of my uh, many paranormal stories relates to the spooky goings on during a ghost hunt at uh, Chillingham Castle. There's a name. That's a perfect name for a haunted castle. Chillingham Castle. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds like one that we would make up here in the States that they put like into an old Arby's or something, you know? Huh? <laughs> you know, when, like they, they, they make haunted houses out of old abandoned buildings. It's like, oh, oh we'll put the haunted house in the old bar- abandoned Arby's and we'll call it Chillingham Castle. Okay. <laughs> you know? Right. I you see. Know? Yeah. Because uh, this one's real. Uh, in the county of uh, Northumberland, widely regarded as the most haunted castle in England. The first room of the castle we investigated was the Great Hall, a huge room with an enormous banquet table at its center. Some of the castle's stories were relayed to us here in an EVP session we started. I placed my digital voice recorder on the table, and the guide started to call out and ask the spirits questions. After 15 minutes or so, we heard no clear responses other than sounds, which could probably be attributed to a building of such an age, so we moved on. We made our way through the castle, attempting Ouija board sessions with mixed results. We made our way to the dungeon, which is a very small room with markings scratched onto the mortar where prisoners have kept count of how many days they've left to live. The prisoners could expect to have their arms and legs broken before being thrown 20 feet down a hole 
into an ovulate and left there to die. Well, that sounds like a humane way to go. Uh, either from starvation or their injuries. Sometimes prisoners would start to eat chunks of flesh from others or even their own bodies in a vain attempt to prolong their life. It was in the room adjacent to the dungeon where we experienced a chilling communication with the spirit who at first made contact via the Ouija board and then proceeded to open and close a door on request. There were no drafts, however, a 15 degree centigrade change in temperature that was noticed when the, te- when the spirit was present. The activity stopped when another group joined us. The crowd seemed to scare it away. Next was the torture chamber, filled with sick and deranged implements of torture. The floor is on a slope so blood could drain away down the side of the room. For many thousands of Scots, this will have been the last place they ever saw. Their torturer here was a man called John Sage. He was a major celebrity in his day. Sage was a brutal man. He hated the Scots, and he reveled in the role of castle torturer, even devising some devices of his own. There was a boiling pot, gadgets for gouging eyes out, barrels full of spikes that would have had a prisoner tied in and rolled around until the flesh was ripped from the body and they died in agony. There was cages that would have been attached to a prisoner's stomach and a starved rat would be put inside and the only way out for the rat was to eat his way out through the victim. That sounds lovely. (laughs) How you doing over there? It's gross. We should eat SpaghettiOs while we're uh, reading this story. The guy told us how the prisoners would scream out crying for their lives to be ended rather than be tortured by a sadistic bastard. They wanted to die quickly, but Sage had other plans. This is where our ghost hunt officially ended and we all made our way home for the rest af- for a rest after an eventful night. The following day, I was looking through the photographs I had taken but couldn't see anything out of the ordinary, so I started listening to my recordings on the digital recording device. I couldn't believe my ears. I captured a sound, which sounded like a voice, right after the guide had called out in the Great Hall, the first room we visited. It was too fast and hard to make out, so... I slowed it down to around half speed in some audio software, and it became as clear as crystal. Given that this recording was made hours before we finally made it down to the torture room, before we heard the stories of the gruesome acts that were carried out, before we heard that prisoners begged to have their lives ended, the voice recorded on my digital device said in a gruff male tone, Kill me, kill me, as clear as day. I was in absolute shock. And the voice still gives me chills now when I think about it. I think it's sad that these spirits seemed destined to these most desperate of moments. They're still in pain and still crying out to have their suffering ended. Absolutely love the show. My dad passed away not too long ago, and I've been desperately searching for affirmation of the afterlife, so I knew he is okay. You and your listeners are providing that for me, and I'm so grateful. Keep up the good work, and if you ever visit the UK, be sure to contact us, and we'll show you around here in Newcastle. And it's pronounced Jawdy Ghosts. Ghosts. What's Jawdy Ghosts? I don't know. Was that something in a a previous episode that I mispronounced? Because I do a lot of that. No, (laughs) I don't know. Okay. We'll have to search that. If we're ever over there, I would love to meet up with these folks. Me too. Because they could totally take us around to some great places, and are probably some interesting folks. I think we should go over there sometime. That would be 
awesome. I don't even know where this is. I gotta like, I gotta Google this. I don't care where it is. I would just want to go. I know, but I want to see where I'm going. I'm sure. Not, so that I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I don't want to go there. It doesn't look good <laughs> enough on Google Earth for me. No, I just, I'm just curious as to where specifically in the country they are. You know, we're idiots, Americans, and we're very unaware of most things outside of our own state, more or less our uh, our own country. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of us are. <laughs> I am. Actually, no, it's shocking because in the States, it's amazing um, and disturbing at the same time. If you were just to go on the street, like with a map or something, and ask people to tell you what state's what, a good deal couldn't tell you. No. And that's that's the sad fact. But I think our listeners tend to be a little bit smarter than the average. Uh, with average Joe, average... Average uh, person. Average person. That would probably be best. What's the... What's the... Uh, the reference is usually made smarter than the average. I say smarter than the average bear. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because Yogi was smarter okay. than the average yeah. bear. Maybe that's what I'm trying to think of. I don't know. Uh, Winnie writes in. This is uh, from Winnie Cooper. Uh, my name no, is. No, <laughs> it's not from Winnie Cooper. <laughs> Eight people got it. Hello, my name's Winnie. I've fallen in love with your uh, with both your website and your YouTube channel. It brings so many memories back to uh, what has and still sometimes occur within my family. My family's always had some sort of connection to the supernatural. We've had uh, prophetic dreams, seen dead people, and so much more. But today, I believe I'll tell you of my supernatural experience. My late mother, Linda, died of stomach cancer when I was seven years old. It was depressing, but I uh, handled it better than everyone, as well as I thought I could. A couple of years before that, though, before she was diagnosed with stomach cancer, something very weird happened. It was early morning, and I felt a presence. Since she pampered me excessively, she always uh, had me in bed with her. So when I woke up that morning, I looked at her to see she was asleep. Yawning, I sat up and looked before me and was stunned to silence. Standing there staring at me with a smile was my mother. I stared at her confused. How did she get there when I just saw her beside me? I turned around and freaked out even more. She was still sleeping peacefully beside me. Frowning, I pinched myself on my cheeks, arms, and even lightly slapped my face a couple of times to make sure I wasn't dreaming because what was happening at that time was a bit too much for my five-year-old brain to process. When I looked up and saw she was still there... I crawled towards the edge of the bed and looking at her, reached out and hugged her, or so I thought. As soon as I wrapped my arms around her, I felt nothing but coldness as I fell right through her and hit the cold bedroom floor hard. That made me very irate. Sitting up, I saw my mother was gone. Standing up, I looked back at the bed and there she was, still sleeping peacefully. I was so confused that I got sleepy again. So shrugged it off, crawled back into bed, and after looking at my mother one more time... I went back to sleep. I didn't tell my mother about this, and it would, I would be in my late teens when I finally told my grandmother about it. She was amused, but shook her head. She'd seen and heard stranger things. In her mind, it was just a family thing. I'm curious as to what you think all of it was. Was my mother's soul staring at me, or was it something else? I'm not sure if it was the mother's soul, but, you know, she mentioned getting so confused and then falling back asleep and I know we hear about going back to sleep after having encounters a lot Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder if they aren't they being the entities doing something to make you go back to sleep 
Because if they can wake you up, why can't can they, they make yeah. you go back to sleep? Could it possibly be this? Could she have dreamed it? He dreamt, dreamt that she woke up, had this experience, had, you know, thought she laid back down in bed, fell back asleep, and then woke up, and then thought that she had just had this real experience. I have that a lot when I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. Like, I will dream that I have gotten out of bed, and it's usually if I have to go do something, like the next, like if I have to go to the airport or something like that, I will dream that I'm, oh, my alarm is going off, I get out of bed, and this is all in a dream, you know, get in the shower, take the shower, get dressed, I'm heading out of the house, bam, I'm back in bed. And it's because I'm dreaming that I'm going through these actions. Um, but it seemed clear as day. The whole time I'm doing this, I'm not even remotely thinking I'm dreaming. Sure. Could it have been that? I'm sure it could. But the thing is, her family is no stranger to events mm-hmm. with the paranormal. So it's hard to know. Because mm-hmm. it's it's not like this was a first time experience for anybody in her family. It would have been interesting to find out what the mom was dreaming about at that time. Was the mother having some sort of astral projection or out-of-body experience watching her daughter in her dreams and she was projecting herself over there and the daughter was actually seeing it in real life yeah i don't know we won't know no it's a shame Mm -hmm. it'd be really interesting to 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 get that other side of that story thank you for uh, for writing in and sharing that with us our phone number is 855-853-4802 if you want more ghost stories we got a lot of them for you if you become an epp that's an extra podcast person when you sign up you'll get that email sent directly to you immediately with uh, 19 bonus episodes for your listening pleasure ready to go uh, all teed up for you. So uh, check that out. Sign up on the website, Real Ghost Stories Online. It's only five bucks a month, and you are supporting and keeping our show on the air, keeping all of our costs uh, manageable to uh, keep the show going for you. So please, uh, please do consider supporting if you enjoy the show. We greatly appreciate you guys. Uh, all right. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Mm-hmm.